I really believe God has some of you here today to welcome you home. Even those of you that walked in today with, with both feet on the brakes when it came to faith or God or kind of anything church, let's be honest, some of, some of you are here today just out of obligation. Okay, I, I get that. I've been to movies out of obligation with my wife. Uh, you think I wanted to watch Little Women? Give me a break, you know? So, hey, some of you are here just because someone cute invited you. You're sitting next to them right now, and you normally don't like church, and you're thinking, like, I like church right now. This is all right. Some of you are here um, because you just made a trade-off, and what you did was you, you knew that if you didn't show up to an Easter service with your spouse, that you were going to hear about it for the whole next week, so you thought, hey, one hour at church, which by the way, our CCV services are always one hour, one hour at church or a week of pain, I'll take the one hour church thing, and that's why you're here, okay? By the way, I think you made a good trade-off, and I don't think you're here by accident. See, as we talk about Easter today, as we talk truly about Jesus, here's what I think all of us can agree on. See, no one disputes if Jesus was real or even if he changed the world. No one disputes that. In fact, I would say this. There's no historian, credible historian in history that's ever debated if Jesus was a real person, lived here on earth, or even if he changed the world. I mean, think about it this way. Why do we consider it the year 2021? Why does the whole world keep track of time based on a system of B.C. and A.D.? Do you know what that stands for? Before Christ and Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. In other words, the whole entire world keeps track of time. We call it the year 2021 because it's 2,021 years after the birth of one single person, Jesus. That's how much he changed the world forever. So that's indisputable. The only disputable thing today is this. Can Jesus change your life? And I believe with everything inside of me, not only that he can, but that he's been dying to. He's been waiting to. But here's what I want to talk to you about this Easter. Why is it, if that's true, that so many of us hold off and step back from and just never go all in to place our faith and trust in Jesus? We never go all in. Why is that? I want to talk to you about one big reason today. And to do it, we're going to have some fun, okay? Because if, if you're not familiar with CCV, we like to have fun around here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do an exercise with you that this isn't a Christian thing. This is actually put together by secular researchers. They've discovered something that is groundbreaking research, and it's primarily coming out of the University of California, Santa Barbara. So I'm going to show you a picture from them. And your job this morning when I show you this picture is to see if you can pick out the toothbrush in this messy bathroom picture. Okay, I'm gonna show you a messy bathroom. You gotta see if you can find the toothbrush. You ready? You think you can do it? Okay, three, two, one, take a look. Can you see the toothbrush? Can you pick it out? You get it? Okay, take the picture away. How many of you, how many of you, 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 were, you, you caught that toothbrush right there? How many of you saw it? You got it? How many of you honestly saw that huge toothbrush right there. Oh, you, you missed that? A lot of you missed that, didn't you? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. And I could show you about 10 pictures that prove the same thing. Why is it that you miss something so obvious? I mean, it's huge. The reason why is because of what researchers and scientists have been studying for about the past 20 or 30 years, that's groundbreaking research, and here's what they call it. 
They call it inattentional blindness. Not unintentional blindness, inattentional blindness. This is the term they use. And inattentional blindness is this. It's the surprising failure to miss something so obvious right in front of you, massive and big, and here's why you miss it. Two primary reasons. One is it's bigger than your expectations. And the reason many of you missed that huge toothbrush is it was just bigger than you could have ever imagined. The second reason that we miss things is because our attention becomes focused on something else and you locked into something else in that photo and you missed the big thing right in front of you. And what I want to suggest today is that many of us here today have inattentional blindness when it comes to Jesus and what he did for you and what he wants for you. In fact, the very first Easter, did you know every single follower of Jesus had inattentional blindness? I wanna show it to you. Because if you're a skeptic of the Bible and maybe that's, that's where you are, this should be incredible evidence that the Bible is true. Because after Jesus rose from the grave, his followers captured the story in the Gospels, four accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the story of Jesus, and they wrote themselves in as completely blind, completely blind. Now, if you were making up a story, you would not write yourself in as blind. You'd write yourself in as the, sto- as the hero. But watch how the disciples were completely blind. I'll just show you one example from the book of Matthew, and you just see how obvious it was, how obvious it was who Jesus was and what he was going to do. This is, this is what happened, Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples in the clearest terms. I just watched the words. What was he explaining? That he had to go to Jerusalem and do what? Just look at the highlighted words. He had to suffer many things. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be killed. He says, I'm going to be killed. And then watch. Watch how clear it is. Jesus said, on the third day, I'm going to be raised to life. The very next chapter, chapter 17, he's in a different region. He's now in Galilee. He said to them again, he tell them over and over again, this is what's going to happen to me, Jesus says. I'm going to be what? Betrayed. Killed. I'm going to rise again on the third day. Then in Matthew chapter 20, this is the last week of Jesus' life. He's getting ready to go to the cross, right? And it's like, he, Jesus was going up to Jerusalem on his way. He took the 12 aside. He's like, hey, guys, guys, come, come, come here. Come here. One more time. One more time. Listen up. Listen up. Peter, stop. Listen. Okay? Listen. And watch how detailed Jesus is. The Son of Man is going to be what? Just watch the highlighted words. Be betrayed. They're going to condemn me to death. They're going to hand me over to the Gentiles. That's the Roman government. He's so specific. And then he goes on to say this. It's so specific. They're going to mock me, flog me, crucify me. On the third day, I'm going to rise again. Now, just looking at those verses, could it be more obvious? What's amazing is after, on Easter Sunday, after Jesus is killed, do you want to know how many of his disciples thought he was going to rise again? Zero. In other words, not one single follower of Jesus on Sunday morning, the first Easter Sunday, is sitting next to the tomb going like this. Guys, let's do a countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7. Nobody did that. Where were they? They were stuck in an upper room, scared to death because Jesus is dead. It's over. It's done. In fact, even when the women went to the tomb, because they were not because they thought he was going to rise from the dead, because they were going to anoint his body, because they thought the men did it wrong on Friday night. That's why they went, okay? And they came back, and they're like, the tomb's empty, and no one believed them, even after how obvious it was. Then Jesus appears in front of them, and they think it's a ghost. But when they finally believed after the resurrection, they gave their lives, literal, literally their lives for Jesus. But why did they miss it? 
Why do so many of us miss it? Inattentional blindness, it's the same two principles. And I just wanna talk to you for a moment today about how this can happen to us. Because I'm telling you, it's happening to someone right now. You've missed Jesus. I wanna tell you two reasons that many of us miss the message of Easter. And it's the same two reasons that researchers tell us nowadays why many of us are blind. Number one is this. God's unconditional love, remember that word unconditional, his love is so big, it's beyond our wildest imaginations. Now just think with me, isn't the love that God offers you different than almost every other kind of love that you experience around you today? Let me put it this way, almost every single bit of love that you experience in your relationships is conditional. There's conditions on it. In other words, when you give love, you expect to receive love back, and when you withhold love from people, you know that that relationship's probably gonna fall apart. There's conditions. There's conditions in your friendships, in your family, even in marriages. There's lines, even in marriage, that we know if someone crosses over and over and over again, the relationship's done. You know who the group of people I think today should know about conditional love more than anybody else? They, They know there's conditions on love. It's you cat lovers out there. You know it. I mean, you try not feeding your cat for a week and see how much they cuddle next to you so sweet, you know? In fact, I saw this picture this week. It cracked me up. It says, I'm not saying your cat doesn't care about you. I'm just saying if Lassie was a cat, Timmy would still be in that well. (laughs) Timmy would be dead if Lassie was a cat, right? Now, Now, we laugh, but here's what every single one of us knows. We know that the love we experience around us is conditional. We know it. And that's why it's so hard for some of us to wrap our minds around the idea that God's love for you is absolutely unconditional. Which means, and come on, all eyes on me. Someone needs to hear this. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you come from, God loves you and he wants to, just give you Jesus and he wants you to accept him freely. And he wants to forgive everything in your life. John 3:16, the most famous verse in all of scripture. Just just read it afresh to you. Let me read it out of the message translation. It says this is how much God loved the world and you have to put your name in that blank. This is how much God loved Chris and Kim and Suzanne and John and Mark and Nathan so much God loved you. How much did he love you? This is so hard for people to wrap their minds around. He loved you so much he gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why he did it, so that no one need to be destroyed. But by believing in him, you can have what? A whole and lasting life. And that is so hard for people to understand. It's, it's like this. If you were the only person on earth that's ever existed, God would have still sent Jesus for you even all your messes and everything you've done. See, God is the, the perfect father. He's literally a perfect father. And some of us, I don't know what your relationship was with your dad growing up, but some of us, our relationship with our dad was a little rough, and so it's hard for us to grasp the perfect father, God, how much he loves you. I'm a, I'm a dad of three girls, and I love my girls to death. In fact, I would jump in front of a train for one of my girls. Notice I said one of my girls. 
They, my girls were in the service last night on the front row, and I, I almost like looked over, and I could just see them like, Daddy, it's me, right? I'm the one. I'm the one, you know? I might even jump up in front of a train for some of you, as long as you didn't cheer for the Seahawks. I would, okay? I would. <laughs> Under no circumstances would I ever push one, in front, one of my kids in front of a train for any one of you here today. Ever. And yet that's what God did for you. He pushed his son in front of a train. He put him on a cross, the most excruciating death you could ever suffer, to take all your sin and forgive it. And for some of us, that is so big, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around, and so you've missed it. You've missed it. That's the one reason we missed the story of Easter. The second reason is this, is that our attention gets focused on everything but God. Do you know researchers on inattentional blindness tell us that your visual focus is actually, your, your clarity is only really about the width of your thumb. And every inch outside of the width of your thumb, things get gradually and gradually more unclear and out of focus. So the things way out here, you can't even see, they're all out of, out of focus. And where have some of us put God? We've put God way over here, way back here, and you're not focused on him at all, so you've missed it. In fact, where, where is our focus? Many of us, our focus is on making more money because they think that we think that'll satisfy. We pour our lives into our job, our work, thinking that's gonna like gratify our lives. We, we pour our lives into pleasure. That's where some of us are at. We're, we're seeking the next you know, pleasurable thing, maybe the next sexual escapade, or the next trip, or the next adventure, or the next high. Some of us pour our lives into a hobby or a sport because we just think that's what's gonna help us feel satisfaction in life. And when all those things fail, because they always do, they always do, they'll never satisfy you deeply to your life, then what do we do? We turn to something destructive. And then we turn to a substance or a drug or alcohol or pornography or a cycle of bad relationships that spiral downward. And we wonder why we're empty inside. You're empty inside because you put God to the side. And then in the midst of all this, a pandemic hits. And let me tell you the beauty of the pandemic, if, if you'll let it be this in your life. What the pandemic did for so many of us is it stripped away the things that we had put in our focus besides God. It even stripped away some of the coping mechanisms that you used in your life to just cope with some of the pain and the hurt and the abuse from your past. And what that did for you and why many of you are here today is you realized you need something more in life. You're missing something and what you're missing is you're missing God, and you need to put him right back in the center. And that's why today, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that God has many of you here to finally welcome you home, to finally follow Jesus and go all in. Some of you, he's just welcoming you back to church because you've been away for a long, long time. But most importantly, he's gonna welcome home today those of you that need to decide to follow Jesus. And I wanna show you exactly how to do that. And it's so easy and it's so clear in scripture. But I wanna show you the right door to walk through to come home. But to walk through the right door, you need to know some doors that are not the right door. Because some of you have been chasing these doors. I'm just gonna give you three doors really quickly and, and see if you can relate with one of these. The first door that so many people, like three doors people walk through that never lead home, and the first one that never leads home, and I know this isn't original, but just hang with me, it's called the wrong door. You're just walking through the wrong door. You, have, have you ever walked through the wrong door before? 
like just into the wrong place. You may have done this. My very first job, I worked in this company that had multiple office, uh, offices around the valley. And in the office I worked in, when I went to the bathroom, the men's was to the left, the women's was to the right. And in another office building, unbeknownst to me, they flip-flopped it. The men was to the right and the women's was to the left. And so this one day I was in this other office building. I had no idea. I walked in all confident to the bathroom. You know, guys, we kind of get into business. I like grab my pants. I'm getting ready to, you know. And I look up and there's a, there's a woman looking right at me and she's like, Hello. I was like, hi. And I just ran like as fast as I could out of there because I went through the wrong door. Some of you have been chasing the wrong door for so long. What's the wrong door? The wrong door represents this, trying to find purpose in anything or anyone outside of Jesus. And this is where some of you are. It's what we just talked about. You've been chasing all the wrong things. And at some point, you just have to come to this realization that nothing in this world will bring you peace, joy, happiness, and purpose outside of Jesus in your life. You'll always be empty. I say it this way. You were born with a God-sized hole in your heart. And you can try to fill that hole with all the things you think in this world. More money, more success, more relationships, more sex, more everything. And at some point, you have to realize that It just doesn't fulfill. The only thing that fills that hole is God in your life. In fact, I love how C.S. Lewis puts it. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, if I find in myself a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, wouldn't the most probable explanation be that we were made for something more than what this world can offer? Of course that's the explanation. Have you missed it? Have you been walking through the wrong door? Just be honest, you're only as good as you are honest. Some of you have been walking through the wrong door. Here's the the second door that many of us try to chase and walk through. I call it the locked door. Let me tell you why I call it the locked door. The locked door represents thinking that the key to being good with God is your good works. So many of us think that to be a Christian just means to be a good person, like I'll just do good things, and if I do enough good things, I'll be right with God and I'll be right here on earth and then when I die, I'll be able to go to heaven because I'm a good person. Did you know the Bible never says that? It says the exact opposite of that. Now hang with me. I say it this way. Good people don't go to heaven. They don't. I mean, if good people went to heaven, how would you ever know if you were good enough? I mean, are you keeping track? Oh, I'm at 51% right now, hang on. 51% versus 49%, God's like, you're good, come on in, you did good. Did you know good people don't go to heaven? Forgiven people do. Your goodness is not the key to being made right with God. In other words, some of you, if this is the door that leads to God, some of you think you hold the key and it's your goodness and you keep trying to get in a door and it will always be locked. Did you know that God is perfect? Did you know heaven is a perfect place? Did you know only perfect people go to heaven? Your goodness will never get you there. You don't hold the key, God holds the key and the key is his grace, his forgiveness to forgive you of all your sins and make you right with him so you can go. And if you think you hold the key, you're gonna be really surprised one day when you show up into heaven. Matthew chapter seven says, some of us are gonna get to heaven one day, show up before God and say, God, look at all the good things I did. And God's gonna say, I never knew you, I'm sorry. 
Just let me let one verse sink in for you today. James chapter 2, verse 10, it says this. For the person who keeps all the laws except for one. In other words, you are perfect except for one time, which is all of us. You're as guilty as the person who has broken all God's laws. Why? Because God's perfect. And the only way to be reconciled with God is to be forgiven, fully forgiven. It's John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son to forgive you fully. Most people know John 3, 16, but they forget to read the next two verses. Can I read verse 17 and 18 to you? God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger at you, telling the world how bad it was. God doesn't want to accuse you. No, he came to help, to put the world right again. But the only way to be made right with God is to be forgiven. So what, it goes on to say this. Anyone who trusts in him, that's Jesus, is acquitted. That's forgiven. You're fully forgiven when you place your trust fully in Jesus. And anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence. You're literally under a death sentence because you don't have the key. It's a locked door. And you don't even know it sometimes. Why? Because there's a lot of people and and people who fail to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. It's a locked door. You've You've been thinking your key's goodness? It's time to come home. It's time to walk through the right door. I want to tell you about one last door, and I really believe this is the door many of you are going to relate with today. I think a majority of you might. And it's called this. It's called the slam door. The slam door represents this. It represents thinking God's ashamed of you and won't accept you because of your past. So many of us here today have so much guilt and pain and shame in our past because of things we've done. Things that we said we'd never do again and then we did it again. Things that we've never told anyone about. And we just walk around and we try to push it down. We use lots of things to cope and push it down. But it's still there. And we think inside that because of all the things that we've done that we know are wrong, the people we've hurt, all the things we've done, we actually think this. We think if we decided to approach God and finally say, God, I want to come home, we think that God might open the door and look at us and say, are you? He might slam it in our face. We think God might look at us and say, are you kidding me? Look at all you've done. Go clean yourself up and then come back. And that's what we've been trying to do. Well, I'll, skip my, I'll get my life right first and then I can come to God. And listen, someone needs to hear this today. Just, just please hear me. This is one of the greatest lies that you can ever believe from Satan. And he wants you to believe it because he wants shame to keep you from God. And as we've been talking about, if you've been here the last three weeks in this prodigal series, there's a God with open arms that's waving. Like if you open the door, there's no slam. Are you kidding me? He's been waiting with open arms for you to come home. His love's unconditional. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are. Until you believe that, shame will always keep you back from a God who loves you so much. If you let shame keep you back, there is no such thing as a slam door. Did you know in scripture there's not one person that cleaned their life up before they went to God, went to Jesus? Not one. They came to him with all their messes, all the issues, 
and then, God, and then Jesus helped them clean up their life. Do you understand? You'll never clean up your life on your own. You have to get God into your life first. That's the only way it's ever going to get right. I love this quote from Tim Keller. He says this, to be loved and not known is comforting but superficial. And that's where some of you are. You have some people around you that maybe love you, but they don't know you fully. That's superficial. Well, what's the opposite? To be known and not loved, that's, a, that's a, one of our greatest fears. And it's a great fear with God that maybe if, if we approach God, he's like, yeah. But listen to this. But to be fully known and truly loved, well, that's a lot like being loved by God. It's what we need more than anything. Is it time to come home? How do you come home? How do you come home to Jesus? There's only one way, one way. There's only one door and it's an open door. In other words, God's been knocking on your life. The only question is, will you open the door? Will you open the door to him? Revelation chapter three, verse 20 says this. God says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, you have to open the door. I will come in and eat with that person. He will fully accept you. That's what that means. And they will be with me. In other words, there's one door and it's an open door. And many of you know today that God's been knocking. Sometimes it's been a small knock. For some of you, it's a loud bang. And the only question is, will you open the door? And if you open the door, on the other side of this door, listen, is a God who walks through and just opens you with, and just welcomes you with open arms. No questions asked, no stipulations. He just wants you to fully accept him. What does that look like? Like, how would I open the door? Let me tell you really, really practically. After the very first Easter, a group of people was gathered together. They heard the message of Jesus that I just told you, and they said, what do we do? How are we saved? And Peter answered so clearly. Just listen, let this sink in. Acts chapter two, verse 38. Peter replied, you wanna be saved? You wanna open the door? Repent and be baptized. Can we say that out loud for a second? Repent and be baptized. It's always those two things. Repentance is just you making a U-turn. I'm tired of walking through all these other doors. I'm finally gonna walk through the door. I'm gonna do it God's way now. And being baptized is a symbol, an outward symbol of something inward that's going on in your heart that you wanna turn your life over to Jesus. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And what? Watch this. You'll be forgiven. You will receive forgiveness fully and completely of all your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, God coming inside of your life and finally fulfilling your life, giving you purpose, peace, and power to live the life God's always wanted for you. So what does that mean? Really, really practically, it means this. God invites anyone here today to be forgiven and come home to him as a free gift by what? You have to believe in Jesus, what he did for you. You repent of your sins. It's simply saying, I'm sorry, I wanna do life your way now, God. I'm sorry for how I've kind of chased my own thing or maybe my own goodness, and then I wanna be baptized. And baptism is you going underneath the water, which symbolizes Jesus' death, and you dying to yourself, and you come out of the water, which symbolizes Jesus' resurrection, and you're raised to be a brand new person. Some of you need to come home. And I want you to hear the story of someone who on Easter, no better weekend to do this than Easter, on Easter decided that he needed to finally come home. Watch Adam's story. 
Well, my story, you know, kind of begins in the Army. The moment we landed down, there was mortar, fire, it was this explosion, and, like, your anxiety is just at 100% every single day. We were in a medevac unit, so we kind of got to see the worst of the worst. When you start seeing this stuff over and over and over again, like it, it makes you angry, you know? <laughs> and then we'd have a chaplain there that would tell us, like, oh, come to church. And I'm like, why? What's the point? <laughs> like, do you know where we are? Like, are you paying attention to what's going on here? I would say, where's, where's God's love in here? Like, where's it at? So I, I, I was just very, like, angry at God. I hated him for what was going on around me. So what I did is I turned to heavy alcohol and drugs. I wanted to kind of numb that sensation, the fear, like, just the aggression, everything about it. I started off by me going to a doctor and getting pain pills. And I just started using all the time. Like, whatever you had, I was down. The word hope didn't mean anything to me. There was zero hope in my life. I, I kind of resigned to the fact that I would be on drugs for the rest of my life. So my wife was obviously at her wit's end. You know, we have, we have two small kids. So I checked myself into a rehab, and then they tried to talk to us about God. And I was like, listen, like, if there's a God, he hates me. I hate him, he hates me. Like, that's where we are. Relapse once, relapse twice. And that's kind of what led us to Easter. I was trying to get on my wife's good graces again. And she was going to Easter service at CCB. And I said, I want to go. And she's like, why? You know, <laughs> you don't care? And I was like, no, I'll go though, I'll go and I'll listen. And so we went to Easter service. But the whole thing, from the beginning to end, I just sat there and listened and didn't drown it out, didn't try to daydream, didn't try to fall asleep, nothing. And I listened to the entire message. It killed me inside, but everything just started to change. And I just felt like relief. I couldn't believe it after that day, like, I felt the sense of hope that I, I can do this, like, like, I don't like saying it, but it's like, God can help me do this, what I can't do myself. I couldn't get it out of my mind, though, like, I really couldn't, and I tried, <laughs> but I couldn't, and then I, I'm like, I'm gonna write Ashley. I really wanted to reach out to you and say you impacted my life for the better on Easter. I recently relapsed and it nearly tore my family apart. But your message Sunday brought me to tears with my wife. It gave me a sense of hope. I hate myself so much and then the hurt I have inside of me is so strong that I can't imagine anybody being able to relieve that. And then like the next day, Ashley's assistant said, hey, like, thank you so much for your, your email. Ashley read it and he was touched by it and he wants to get you in contact with someone. So 
uh, Mike Gunderson got in contact with me. He's like, hey, like, I was in, I'm in the military, you know, I go to CCV. But one of my first questions is like, how could God forgive that? Was I able to be redeemed? Am I able to start over? Mike just sat me down and goes, look, getting baptized isn't the finish line. Like, that's not the end of your journey with God. That's just the starting point. That's your launching point. That's when you're going to say it like, I give my life, my will over to you. And it, I was okay with that. I lived, you know, 30-something years in my own will, and it didn't work. It crashed and burned, so I was ready to not drive for a little bit. So <laughs> I got baptized, and I just cried the whole time. So <laughs> it was awesome, though, yeah. So after I got baptized, I can honestly say, like, I have hope, I have peace. I'm starting to forgive myself. I feel like I'm becoming a better father, a better husband, uh, a better friend. Um, to think that God would send his only son, though, and make him go through what he had to go through to forgive our sins, like, that's a gift, you know? Like, especially with someone like me, with my past, like, it's a gift and I don't want to waste it. It's a gift, it's a gift, it's a free gift that God offers you today. And some of you need to finally take the gift. You need to go all in with Jesus. It's the only way you'll experience the life that you've always wanted. And I wanna tell you, there's no better weekend to make that decision than on Easter. We celebrate what Jesus did for you. He died for you, he has open arms for you. Remember, you go underneath the water to die to yourself and you come out of the water a brand new person and God takes those things in your life that seem dead and he can raise them to life. You know that marriage that's been crumbling? You've been working so hard to fix it yourself. It will never be fixed without Jesus, ever. That relationship that's crumbling, that addiction you've been trying to come, come, like overcome all on your own. Jesus is the answer. The anxiety, the depression, the emptiness when you go to bed, the loneliness you feel at night. Jesus is the answer. So I'm gonna challenge you today, not another day, today, to go all in with Jesus, to decide to believe and repent, and you be baptized today. Baptized today. I'm gonna to challenge those of you that were baptized even as infants to make the decision today to be baptized as an adult. To, that's the example of Jesus. He was baptized as an adult. And that we honor our parents, what they decided for us, but we need to make the decision ourselves. Actually, I was baptized twice. I was baptized as a young child, and I realized I didn't know what I did when I, when I did it then. I, I did it for a different reason, and so I, I made a decision for myself, and that's when everything changed. So we need to make the decision even though you feel unworthy. Look me in the eyes. You are worthy. Jesus went to a cross to prove that to you. So if you walk out of here and walk to your car without being baptized and you know you need to because you feel unworthy, you've made a mockery of the cross of Jesus. 
It's a free gift. Some of you are thinking, I didn't come prepared today for that. We came prepared for you. We're always prepared for you. At the baptistry on every campus is a change of clothes. We have a pair of shorts in all sizes. We have a, a shirt that says changed on it because that's exactly what happens to your life when you're baptized. And we have a towel for you. So no excuses. No excuses. Today's your day. And if it is, I want to give you a chance to make that decision. Our band's going to come. We're going to sing two more songs. And during these two songs as we sing, I just want you to ask a simple question, God, what do you want me to do? Is it time? Is it time for me to walk through the open door of baptism, to go all in with you? And I believe it is for many of you. I want to give you a chance to make that decision. Let's sing together, and you just, you just answer whatever God's telling you to do. What's God telling you to do? You just do whatever God's telling you to do. And for many of you, that is to go out these doors, straight to the baptistry, and you change your life. You get baptized today. Listen, you can walk to your car, you can go home, the same person you walked in as. Or you can be baptized, you can walk away changed forever to finally have hope, peace, and purpose in life. And I'm praying that you do. So I'm gonna pray right now, for those of you that need to make that decision, that's exactly what you do. And then our campus pastor is gonna come out and give you some instructions on exactly where you can go to get baptized. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for every person here today that knows right now that you're calling them to finally go all in, to follow you, to be baptized. Would you give them the courage and the boldness to not walk away the same person, but to give their life to you? And when they do, would they be confident that you can change them, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done? You're in the business of life change. And God, we thank you for what you're gonna do in people's lives. And all of us thank you for Easter. The hope we have in Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of us said, amen, amen.